1: And without further ado, let's begin. So this happened in a friend of mine's house, Dustin. This time we were hanging out in his garage and it was myself, Dustin, and two of our other closest friends, Brandon and Drew. The four of us were all gathered in Dustin's garage, simply hanging out and talking about all matter of high school problems... During the talk, Dustin had made his way to the opposite side of the garage, next to the door there, and the three of us hadn't noticed that this was strategic on Dustin's part. You see, there was another light switch in the garage, right next to the garage door. Dustin had hatched a scheme, apparently, to scare us by suddenly turning the lights out in the middle of our conversation. It was near midnight, and we were already pretty wound up. It was guaranteed to leave us in complete darkness as well. However, this didn't go his way or our way either. None of us knew what was about to happen that night. So Dustin turned out the lights like I said. It startled us at first, but we quickly realized that it was just Dustin trying to scare us. We asked multiple times for him to turn the lights back on. He responded with poorly acted confusion. He eventually turned them back on for us and the lights in the garage were very bright we were blinded for a second or two as our eyes sort of adjusted back to the light but that was when we saw it for some strange reason when the lights came back on the three of us on the opposite side from dustin were all facing the same way and we all faced the wall opposite the garage door and it was painted white so it made this very noticeable to us because we saw a black handprint that was slightly faded just this lone handprint Right there in the middle of the wall. Now, that may seem like it's pretty easily explainable, and I'll admit if that's all it was, then it would be. However, what happened next, there's just no way that it can be explained. So the three of us mumbled to each other for a second, all asking if he remembered seeing that handprint before the lights went out. We all agreed that we hadn't and that it was a bit weird. Dustin asked what was going on and we told him that we saw a black handprint. He must have thought that we were joking because he didn't take us seriously at all. In fact he turned the lights out on us again and this time we reacted with a little bit more anger telling him to turn the lights back on. He tried to joke around with us but we weren't in a joking mood at this point. He caught the hint eventually and turned the lights back on. When our eyes adjusted to the light again we saw them multiple black handprints this time all overlapping each other in a horizontal straight line and they were definitely not there before they were leading from one wall to the next and every wall in the garage now had a line of overlapped black handprints they were completely surrounding us and it sort of looked as though something or someone had been running on all fours horizontally around us circling us Dustin he definitely saw them this time as well and the feeling of terror and panic set in for all of us. We practically trampled over one another trying to escape the garage. Drew pushed his hands and his head into my back, ramming me through the door into the house. The three of us spilled onto Dustin's living room floor, but we couldn't catch our breath quickly enough and kept shouting nonsense to each other, trying to make sense of what had just happened. We all had a hard time calming down, and we tried to convince ourselves that it didn't even happen in the end and that... We only thought that we had seen the handprints. However, when we mustered the courage to go and check again, we were greeted with the handprints still being there. The garage then became a restricted area for us when we all hung out. The only time that we would go back in was to try and do our own investigating. We never cleaned the handprints off, mind you. They stayed there for ages. I'm not sure if it was out of fear of angering whatever had left them or... If it was just a reminder that it actually did happen either way it is still one of the craziest experiences that i've ever had and it is going to stick with me for as long as i live this took place around maybe 15 years ago i would have been about 13 years old my dad has always taken an annual fishing trip with friends that would put him out of state for about a week. I have numerous stories about weird things happening while he was gone on said fishing trips, from paranormal events to someone even attempting to break into a house at one point. But this one is the most unnerving to people when I tell it. When my dad would go on these trips, I would usually sleep in my parents' bed... My mum and I would treat it like a little sleepover and would watch movies, stay up late, even on school nights, and gossip. I remember falling asleep after a late night movie and being roused from my sleep with what felt like just minutes later. My mum is a light sleeper, while I on the other hand, it takes pretty much a catastrophic level event to wake me up from a dead sleep. I remember waking up feeling as if something was wrong. The room was illuminated oddly and there was a distant sort of rhythm that I was only partially aware of. I mean, I'm half asleep, and as I open my eyes, I can see my mum on top of the bed, on her knees peering out the window above her head. I started to ask, what's going on, when she turned to me quickly and shushed me. I quietly joined her, looking out the small box window that was slightly cracked open, and the distant rhythmic chanting became more and more clear, Our house sat in front of a strip of woods and the trees aren't too thick. You can see through most of the wooded area in fact. The chanting was getting louder though by the second and the odd illuminations finally made sense. You could see a a line of hooded figures in dark clothes holding torches marching east, chanting what sounded like demonic or dark things. It felt surreal and scary as we held our breath waiting to see what they would do. Were they headed towards the houses to burn them down? Were they going to attempt to break in and sacrifice us? It felt like ages that we sat there watching this line of people walk through the woods, their torches raised high and their chanting continuing throughout the night. But that was it. They just walked away. After what was probably more like two minutes... My mom and I laid back down and discussed what the heck we just saw, trying to get back to sleep. We told my dad first thing in the morning when he called to check in, but I remember him not believing us. He thought that it had to be a dream or something. That kind of thing just didn't happen in our small town in Ohio. But the next day, there was an article in the local newspaper about a lamb being slain on a makeshift altar on the east side of town. My dad stopped doubting us at that point. And my mom and I got even more freaked out. My parents still live in that house and we've never seen any other cult-like behavior in the area, but that one evening, it definitely freaked us out enough that I decided to permanently camp out in my parents' bedroom every time that my dad left town until my late high school years. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. About 15 years ago, I traveled to Spain with my best friend. We were both around 20 at the time living the carefree young adult life that we did you know just two guys having a great time pretty much we were in a warm country no carefully filled itinerary whatsoever just sort of living in the moment doing whatever we felt like my friend who originally came from Spain still had family there which made the month-long travel very affordable since they offered us free accommodation a roof over our head a working bathroom with fresh showers and three meals a day if we liked They also gave us a spare key so we could come and go just as we liked. During the day, we often went swimming to keep us cool as possible and during the evenings we often explored the city, went for drinks or went to a club or something. On a certain day, somewhat more to the end of our month long stay there, the father of our host family, my friend's uncle, took us out for a fishing trip. We had a lot of fun out on the sea too, although the trip was cut short because we had a bit too much fun consuming beers, but the burning summer sun, too many beers, and the heavy wavy feeling of being out at the open sea made for a very bad case of seasickness for both my friend and me. His uncle though, it was funny to him. After having an afternoon rest, or as they called it a siesta, and a very fulfilling late night dinner, we decided to go back out to the beach. We took a couple of cold beers with us, however, we didn't take many as we were still feeling a bit groggy from before. It was a beautiful night, open sky, no clouds, little to no light pollution, making the twinkling stars very visible and present. Being on vacation, being young, on a still warm but comfortable summer night with a light breeze and a starry sky, it was the perfect moment to talk about the meaning of life, about what we would like to achieve one day. About what was worth it or what wasn't. If there was any other intelligent life out there. If we would live for another thousand years or not. The crashing of the waves against the sand of the beach and the rocks were very calming. And was sort of lulling us into a meditative state. Only that moment in that place seemed to exist and there was no outside world. No life with responsibilities. No obligations. No expectations. No working hard to get somewhere. And it was at that moment that we noticed something was off. The crashing of the sea against the sand of the beach sounded different, harder, like something was moving in it, and under the waves, a vague shape started to form. As it neared the shoreline, it started to take the shape of a a dog of all things. We both looked at each other and noticed that we had been holding our breath for about a minute, that it took this dog to crawl from the sea to the shoreline. The tension broke because we both burst out laughing because we had been so easily startled by something so innocent. But then my friend asked the question that made the newly regained light mood go away in an instant. Where did that dog come from though? There's no one around and we never saw any dog go into the sea. Neither was there any dog swimming around. It came from under the water. Now that he had worded it like that, it seemed rather curious and actually, that dog seemed pretty big for any existing dog that I had ever seen. As it was crawling along the beach, solely illuminated by the first quarter moon, it looked like the size of a a small horse but in the shape of a, a dog or a wolf with sort of matted fur It had very present bony joints in its knees and elbows and walked a bit awkwardly too. My friend and I were debating if we should follow this beast and we decided in the end that we did actually want to find out what exactly it was. I took out my phone and started to film it for as far as any 2008 smartphone could film in the dark. By the time that we reached the place at the beach where it had left the water, it had already reached the sand dunes and sort of disappeared in it. We saw that it had left a track and we decided to follow it into the dunes but we weren't prepared for what we saw next. The beast had left a track in the wet sand in the form of individual hoof prints in a straight line instead of a crisscross pattern as with many four-legged animals. No horse could have walked in such a line, mind you and even though it had looked like the size of a horse, It didn't look anything like the shape of one. Neither are horses aquatic animals as far as I know. In any case, we followed the track to the dunes and went over the first dune when we saw the beast standing about 10 meters from us in a speck of moonlight. But it didn't look anything like a dog either. It looked like it had the lower half of a, a goat and the upper half of something like a werewolf or something. Just the dimensions were off and the shapes were really awkward and it was such a big animal that neither of us could place under any existing animal that we knew of. With matted fur and bony joints that had just come out of nowhere from under the water of all things. But clearly could walk and survive on the land as well that left hoof marks in a straight line. Because we had just stumbled through the bushes closely behind this beast and had given away our presence... It slowly started to turn its head towards us. While it was turning towards us, it finally stood on its hind legs. Not only was this an animal that came from under the water, as well as could survive on the land and walk on four legs, it could clearly stand and walk very well on two legs as well. The beast gained even more size by standing on its hind legs and must have been at least two and a half meters tall. It stared at us with what looked like sort of red glowing eyes. These are not to be mistaken with the eyes of a nocturnal animal too with reflective sort of aspects to them. These were actually glowing from within by what it looked like. Instantly I felt stuck on my spot completely frozen. But luckily my friend who was two steps behind me had the mind to run away and pull me with him. We ran for what felt like an hour, but must have been maybe 10 minutes, because we reached the house of my friend's family before we knew it, completely out of breath. The beast, whatever it was, hadn't followed us, or at least not all the way. We went in and told the entire story to his uncle, and of course he thought that we must have still been drunk and tired and had seen things that weren't there. To be honest, I don't blame him too, but when we showed him the recording... He went pale. He took a shovel. A gun would have been more impressive against a beast like that. But it's not like the average European just has guns lying around. And asked us to show where we had seen it. We searched for almost two hours but we didn't find this thing again. However we did find the hoof marks. Albeit a bit washed up because of the current of the sea and all that. But we went back home trying to make something of what we had just seen. But we just couldn't. We needed to know what animal we had just seen, so we started googling all kinds of things. Of course, with the lower half of the beast looking like a goat, we stumbled upon a lot of myths about the devil, which we discarded. I mean, we had actually seen a live beast that wasn't known by humanity yet and wanted to know if any other people had ever seen anything like it. It was only when we googled hoof marks one straight line that we stumbled upon the term devil's footprints. So apparently this was an actual thing or at least something that had supposedly been seen before according to myths and stories. But they must have had some truth to them since they described exactly what we had just seen with our own eyes. The few days that we had left in Spain we spent our nights out with my friend's uncle trying to find this thing again but to no purpose as we never actually did find it. When I came home, a few days later, I saved the recording on my hard drive, and I'm really not sure what to do with it yet. I didn't want to be the crazy guy that had seen the devil, right? Because I still don't believe I did or anything. I just want to know what animal this was, and how come we haven't documented this beast yet. 15 years later, though, I'm still scratching my head over what the beast was that we encountered could have been. But by now, it's a story that my friends believe to be for making conversation and that's about it. My friend and his uncle are still very affected by this experience as well. My friend even took it so far as to go live in Spain again near the beach where it all happened and still continues to actively look for whatever this thing was to this day. And who knows, maybe one day he'll find it.
0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I
1: This happened when I was about 10. I'm female, dark brown hair and tan, creamy skin. Average height, just so you get the full picture. But considering my age and build, I would not have fought back particularly well had something happened at that time. So at the time, I lived with my mom and younger brother, who must have been about seven or eight. We all lived in a pretty secure area of town and what's more as our apartment had a security guard. To get into the lobby, he had to buzz you in unless you had your own keycard. The elevator was activated by a keycard too, so either you had your own or a security guard would have to key you in. Also, a small screen inside of our apartment with a button to call security if needed was there too. This always made us feel safe to some extent, but my mum is a cautious person and is always very aware. We were moving and we sold a lot of stuff, including our TV, a normal size flat screen thing. But we couldn't take everything with us, so this had to go at the time. Eventually, a man, mid-30s or 40s, got in touch expressing interest in our TV. He said that he dropped by our apartment the same day, and he did but a little later than expected at around 7pm. He does all the usual checks to see if it works properly and eventually starts asking my mum about where my dad is. He lived abroad at the time, then asks me questions like where is my school and how old I am. Being a naturally friendly person, I answer and end up telling him all about a field trip that I took with my class to a beach and stuff like this. He then asks if he can connect his phone to our TV to project images of the beach. He apparently had been there before and my mum reluctantly agrees and he does so. In those pictures, as a pretty young woman, he says that he's a photographer and would like me to model for him sometime. This is the point that my mum pulls me closer to her, frowning and politely declines. I don't suspect anything and I'm in fact sort of excited and keep asking my mother to please let me model. She tells me to be quiet though and doesn't sound happy at all. He continues to talk about his photography and said that I would make a good model. On and on, like this for a while too, while I kept getting more eager and nagging my mum to let me do it. I had no idea of his intentions and was completely okay with the idea. I also noticed the woman on the photo was wearing a pretty skimpy bikini thing and since I really wanted to be grown up, you all remember what it was like to be like that. I asked if i could wear one too he said yes my mum, i could tell was completely freaked out by this point i suspected nothing of course and with childlike innocence i asked him if i would get money again he said yes and kept encouraging me to pose for him looking back now i feel terrible for my mum, who knew exactly what was going on but couldn't stop me on top of all of that, he told me repetitively how good a model I was while I giggled through pose after pose, tossing my hair, arms up above my head, or hand on my hip. It was creepy. He's been there for over an hour now, mind you. He says that he's calling his friend to ask if he can buy the TV. But why would he do that? Who knows? He speaks with him for a bit, though, then says that he needs to call his wife this time. Again, we let him. When he hangs up, my mum asks if he wants the TV again. He tries to start a random conversation to distract her, but it's really late and we're getting tired. My mum calmly explains that it's late now and her kids, my brother and I, are tired and need to shower and sleep. At which point the guy says, oh that's fine, they can do that, I don't mind. Then encourages us to go and wash. Even I was creeped out by this point. My mum again told him to come back another day. And he got angry, insisting that he stay because he wanted to check this or that feature on the TV. My mum, though stood her ground, but I could see now that she was scared, alone with this creep and two young children to boot. After a long argument, she turned to me telling me to go to my room with my brother. Needless to say, I didn't argue. We went into my room and shut the door behind us. I heard the front door open and my mum telling him to leave or she would call security. He again tried to stay, but she wasn't having any of it, and said something along the lines of, Yeah, no, get out of my apartment now, or I'm calling the security. He finally left. My mom put us to bed. She probably didn't sleep at all that night, and we thought that that would be the end of it. The next day, though, he came back under the same pretext as before, but by now, it was clear that he had absolutely no interest in the TV, just in us security knowing what had happened prior to that day immediately called my mum to know if it was okay to let him through or not i asked if it was the photographer guy again my mum nodded before motioning for me to be quiet then told security that they weren't to let him in thanked them for calling her first and that was the end of it apparently though he got aggressive with security even and they tried to show him out I don't know if he tried anything after that, but I'll ask my mum and share any updates if I learn anything else. But there is just something innately wrong about a man who comes into a young mother's apartment, tries to recruit her kid for bikini pics, or worse, then just refuses to leave after calling people. It's sinister and creepy, and I don't like to think what could have happened if he had stayed there much longer. So For context, I'm a complete skeptic when it comes to paranormal things, but what's been happening or going on in my home has the hairs on the back of my neck standing up straight. You see, a few nights ago my fiance, 21 and female, decided to go outside for a smoke. I, also 21 and female, stayed in the living room to watch Modern Family, A few minutes after she left, she texted me and asked if I had popped up in the dining room window to scare her. The dining room window overlooks her smoke area, so it would have been in perfect view of from where she was sat. She saw me, my glasses, the way that I had my hair tied back, smiling at her. She describes it as I was more so laughing at, as if she had caught me and then I ducked down and never reappeared. Keep in mind, I was sat in the living room, having no knowledge of this exchange. She came back in and we talked about it, and I literally thought that she was pranking me, bearing in mind that she was close to tears because she thought that I was pranking her. A few days passed and nothing else happened, until the other night. My fiance went upstairs to go get changed into her pajama bottoms. I heard her steps as she went upstairs and again was left in the living room by myself. I then heard her stepping down the stairs and watched her open the door, only to hear her come down the stairs and walk through the already open door once again. This obviously spooked me, but I'm a skeptic, so I just sort of pushed it aside after explaining to my fiancé what I saw. But panned to last night, it was 3.47 in the morning, and my fiancé was using the bathroom. The bathroom is upstairs adjacent to our bedroom. I heard the bathroom door open and then proceeded to hear her footsteps descend down the stairs, only to quickly come back up like she was maybe checking to see if a light was left on downstairs or something. She texted me asking if her dad had come out of the bedroom, opposite of ours. Her dad has incredibly loud footsteps and are easy to identify. Obviously, I thought that they were her footsteps and she was quite a skinny girl, so we both heard two different things. We have no idea what's happening in this place, but it's making us feel incredibly uneasy about being here in general. We would go someplace else, but my fiance is ill and I'm working on getting my visa, so her parents have kindly taken us in. But what should we do? Are we experiencing doppelganger activity or something like it? And if so, how do we get rid of it? I honestly never thought that I would end up working in a funeral home. However, I found that job opportunities were limited and when I came across the listing in the local paper, the money was too good to pass up. They even had an attached residence that I could live in rent free to ensure that I was always on hand since I was their only security guard. Sometimes, the job can be somewhat unnerving. Being surrounded by death on a daily basis takes its toll on a person for sure, but... I remind myself that I'm here to keep the place secure and to make sure that everything runs smoothly. Every night before turning up, I would take a a walk through the building to ensure that all the doors are locked and the lights are off as well. I checked on the mourners attending evening services if one is scheduled, making sure that they aren't causing any trouble or breaking any rules. I get up periodically through the night to make my rounds and ensure all is well. And if I hear anything out of the ordinary, I investigate it. At first, I thought that the job here would be, honestly, a a piece of cake. All I had to do was patrol the building at night, keep an eye on the cameras and ensure that nobody tries to break in. Beyond the morbid appeal, this place provides for young thrill seekers, I guess. There are also chemicals stored here that an enterprising criminal could use in the manufacturing of narcotics, for sure. So intruders were a concern worth noting. However, as I settled into my new role, I began to realize that the job was more than I definitely anticipated. The funeral home itself was pretty creepy, with dimly lit hallways and creaky old doors. Every time that I walked down one of these dark corridors, I could not help but feel like someone or something was watching me. Sometimes, I hear strange noises coming from the other side of the walls too. I see a shadow flash past in the corner of my vision, and sometimes I swear that I can feel a cold breath on the back of my neck too. Despite my unease, I tried to remain professional. After all, I am here to keep the place secure, not to be spooked by every little sound. However, as the nights wear on, I find it harder and harder to shake the feeling that something just isn't quite right. It wasn't until a few weeks into the job that things began to get strange, too. I was doing my usual rounds when I heard a noise coming from one of my rooms that we used to store the prepped bodies in their caskets for upcoming funerals. It sounded like something was shuffling around in there. I tried to tell myself that there was a reasonable explanation, but I just couldn't shake the feeling that something wasn't right. As I approached the door to the room, my heart started to race. I wondered if I was just acting paranoid, but the noise was unmistakable. It sounded like footsteps, slow and deliberate. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up as I reached for the doorknob. I hesitated for a moment, trying to gather my courage. And finally, I turned the doorknob and pushed the door open, just a crack at first, trying to peek inside without making too much noise. The room was dark, but... I could make out the shape of a casket in the center of the room. I tried to remember if there was a funeral scheduled for the morning, but I couldn't recall seeing the schedule that day. I listened for a moment, but the shuffling noise had stopped. I pushed the door open a little further, and that's when I saw movement out of the corner of my eye. I quickly spun around, my hand reaching for the flashlight on my belt, but there was nothing there. My heart was pounding now, and I could feel the sweat starting to form on my forehead. I took a deep breath, stepped into the room, shining my flashlight around. The casket was still in the center of the room, and there didn't seem to be anything else out of place. But again, I just couldn't shake the feeling that someone was watching me. I finished my patrol of the room quickly and made my way back to my apartment, trying to calm my nerves. It was going to be a long night after that. The next night i heard the noise again though my heart sank as i realized that the sound was not just in my head too but was coming from the same room as before once again i decided to investigate this issue i slowly made my way down the hallway the hairs on the back of my neck standing on end again as i approached the door my palms began to sweat and my breath became shallow my personal experiences have taught me to remain calm under pressure However, this was a different kind of fear altogether. I pushed the door open slowly and peered inside, my eyes scanning the room once again for any sign of movement. To my surprise, there was nothing there, no people, no animals, no signs of any disturbance, the room was empty, and the only thing that greeted me was a really eerie silence in fact. I stood there for a few moments trying to make sense of what I just heard was it just my imagination playing tricks on me? Had I been up too late? I couldn't shake the feeling that something was off, but I also couldn't find any logical explanation for the noise. As I made my way back to my room, my mind was racing with thoughts and questions. Was there something in the funeral home that I didn't know about? I didn't want to jump to any conclusions, but I knew that I had to keep my guard up and stay alert. As the nights go on, the strange noises persist and I begin to feel like I'm being watched. It's as if someone or something is following me through the halls. Every time that I turn around, I expect to see a figure looming in the shadows, but there's never anything there. I start to become increasingly paranoid. I double-check the locks on the doors and the windows every hour just to make sure that they're secure. I even start carrying a sidearm with me on my rounds just in case... And things just continue to become even more stranger. One night, as I was sitting in my apartment, I heard a series of strange noises coming from outside. At first, I thought that it was just the wind, but the sounds grew louder and more persistent until they sounded like somebody was knocking at the door. I tried to ignore it, thinking that it was probably just some kids playing a prank. But the knocking continued, growing more insistent by the minute. It was as if someone was desperately trying to get my attention. Feeling a sense of unease, I cautiously approached the door and peered through the peephole. And to my surprise, there was nobody there. The hallway was completely empty and there was no sign of anyone lurking in the shadows. I still couldn't shake the feeling that something wasn't right though. As I returned to my apartment, I felt a chill blow past me in my apartment Once inside, I couldn't help but notice that the atmosphere had changed too. The air felt thick and heavy, and there was an unexplainable chill that seemed to permeate through every corner of that room. Uncomfortable, I retreated to my bedroom, hoping to get my mind off of the night's events. However, the knocking continued sporadically throughout the night, each time causing my heart to race with fear. I tried to convince myself that it was just my imagination, but... The persistent tapping at the door made it clear that it wasn't. And that was the moment when I realized that I just couldn't take it anymore. I need to find out what's causing these noises and I need to put an end to it once and for all. The next day I decided to talk to the funeral home director about my concerns. I half half expected him to just sort of laugh it off I guess and tell me that I'm crazy but to my surprise he actually takes me seriously. He tells me that the funeral home has been rumored to be haunted for years and that some of the staff have reported strange occurrences in the past too. As time goes on, my interactions with the spirits are becoming more frequent and intense. I often hear whispers in my ear or even feel a cold breath on the back of my neck. Some nights, the spirits, or whatever they are, become angry and throw objects around the room now. I've taken to talking to them in fact as I make my rounds as crazy as that sounds as it makes me feel more comfortable and I believe it actually helps to calm the situation down a bit. I've begun to realize too that not everything here seems to behave the same. Like what I mean is that some things appear to be friendly and curious whereas others sort of appear vengeful and aggressive It's as if they each have their own stories to tell, and I'm the only one here to hear them. Despite my growing attachment to whatever this is, I've still had moments of fear and doubt for sure. There are nights when I hear something so terrifying that I just freeze in place, too afraid to move. But then a a warm feeling comes over me, reminding me that I wasn't alone and that everything's going to be okay. I've started to document my experiences in a journal too, detailing the encounters that I had with the spirits and the strange occurrences that happen each night. I've even begun to research the history of the funeral home, hoping to uncover clues about the identities here and the motives. I haven't had much luck yet, but I'm optimistic. And although my job is unusual, I know that. I find a sense of purpose in my interactions with the dead, I know what I'm doing is something important, something that no one else could do as well. And who knows, maybe one day I'll even be able to solve the mystery of this place and help whoever might be here find peace. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you, mates, in the next one.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality.